Welcome to the Design for a Living podcast with Chelsea Coriel. On this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about pricing. I could just have a whole podcast on pricing. Hi, yi um, This stemmed from um, this week. We've had a couple different situations where customers have come in and they're not really familiar with our business model. They're not really familiar with how we work, but they are familiar with independent designers. They've worked with independent designers or designers from other places before. And so it's caused a lot of confusion. We've had a lot of long explanation conversations with clients about, um, well, one in particular who just kept insisting, well, what is your markup? Well, I don't understand. What is your markup? She went from three conversations with the designer to then talking to Jill, our office manager, and she was going to talk to me. Of course, I said, can you see if Jill can do it? I was so busy. It's been crazy this week. We've had huge deliveries. My sofa finally came in that I ordered in June. Um, but so I, you know, I was privy to all of these conversations and and listening to Jill, she did a great job, but it was it was a good 45-minute talk. It, trying to explain why we didn't give up our pricing. And and this is not the first time. There was another couple that I spent hours on the phone with with them screaming at me. They wanted to know what our markup is. What is your markup? Other designers tell you your markup. Why can't you tell us the markup? And there's a lot of disconnect and a lot of confusion. So I'm going to explain it to you guys so that when you run into this situation, maybe you'll have some more talking points and, and ways to explain it to your clients. The first thing that we had to get across to them, and again, this was after like this was the revelation. This was the solution, but it took us a while to get to this point. The main thing that people don't understand is when you work with an independent designer, because as an independent designer, you you might only buy from a vendor once in a year. You might only buy, you know, kitchen cabinets once that year. You might only have one project that requires that. And and of course, a cabinet manufacturer isn't going to offer you the same price that say my store would, where I have seven designers. They're all working at a fast pace. They aren't having to go out and find one client here and one client there. Clients are feeding in to them. They have a steady stream of projects going. They're all overwhelmed and really busy. So my buying power is different. I'm going to give Huntwood Cabinets, as the, the manufacturer we use out of Spokane, I'm, I'll probably give them four projects this month alone. And when you figure out how many that is in a year, it starts to add up, right? The, the buying power that I have is much larger than an independent designer. And because of that, they give me fantastic pricing. I get better pricing than, than most contractors because, again, an independent builder that's building one or two houses a year, they're buying two kitchens where, uh, you know, I, I'm really keeping them busy. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing product through. They're the only cabinet vendor that we carry. We have a full display in our store and people can come in. Even, even their customers that aren't buying from us, they're welcome to come in and, and look at the kitchen. I have every kind of drawer that you need. I've got a, you know, a three stack, a two stack, a four stack. You know, I try to create the kitchen as a showroom so we can show all the different kinds of cabinets and, 
you know, reach around versus lazy Susans. And, um, you know, I wanted it as a selling tool. So uh, I'm going to get different privileges, different priorities, uh, uh, and different pricing because of that. Now, when I use do my markup, which every store in the world does, right? This is the other point that we've had to explain to clients. And they still, I, I tried this once with a, the couple from before that was screaming at me for so long. I kept saying, you know, you don't walk into Nordstrom's and say, how much did you pay for these jeans? Because if I go to TJ Maxx, I found the same jeans and I'm going to go ask them how much they paid. And I'm going to see who makes the bigger profit. And I'm going to choose to go with the person that's making less profit. I mean, that's ridiculous. You can't, you know, go to Safeway. How much did you pay for that milk? That's not the way commerce works, right? Any store in the entire world, any business, that's how we make money. We negotiate pricing, we buy a certain amount, we have a set price, and then our markup is according. Now, we try really hard to be fair, and not every store does, and I, and I understand that. Um, I think a lot of companies that have been in business for a long time are usually more corporate-minded, uh, have much larger staffs. You know, those profit margins, they have to get down to the penny. You know, wasted anything hurts their bottom line. With me, it's a little different. We're a newer store. I'm building reputation. I'm building my place in the community. And so I'm not as worried about nickel and diming, about pinching every penny. I want to be fair. I want to be honest. And I want to be competitive. It's really hard right now when people can shop it online, right? They can take anything that you're you're designing if it's not custom. They can take anything that you're you're selecting for someone's design and they can try to find it online and see if they can get it you know, less expensive, even some of the most expensive brands you can search and you might find somewhere that someone's selling online. They don't have a showroom. They don't have overhead. They don't have employees. And they're just a direct link from that manufacturer to the consumer. And with that shorter distance, they don't have to make as much of a profit because they're worried about selling to as many people worldwide as they can and just getting the product to them. They don't care about what a normal markup or percentage would be. In a retail environment, again, we do have overhead. We do have employees. I want my designers to be compensated for the designs that they do. They do make a commission, but I still look at those other prices and and I work really hard to be fair. I work really hard to be at that middle spot. I'm not going to be the cheapest as an online only. And with that, you've got to remember that piece comes directly from the manufacturer, dropped off on your driveway. Commercial delivery teams don't bring it into your house. That's not a, you know, you have to pay a lot to have that happen. So uh, one of the pieces we've been talking with someone um, and, you know, it was a marble top table. And they found it less expensive online, but I know that we've ordered marble top tables from the manufacturer. And I would say one out of three comes in with a cracked marble. We deal with that. We unpack it. We look at it. We all say, oh, it's so bad. It's just, we take lots of pictures. We file a claim with the company. We have to wrap it back up, either throw it away, dispose of it, donate it, take pictures of us donating it or destroying it. Um, but we handle all of that. And then we get the new one on order as fast as we can. And we get it shipped here and we get it replaced. So that's part of our service, right? The delivery, everything, it's all included in our pricing. Where if you look at somewhere online that's going to get dropped off in your porch, you don't have that service. 
And in the end, it all equals out. It will all equal out. Unless you're dealing with a seriously um, dishonest and um, unethical company that just doesn't care about service, doesn't care about the customer, and they just want to make money. Unless you're working with, with those people, most retailers I know, most brick and mortar stores, most independent designers want to be fair and honest. They want to get the best price for their clients uh, that's, that's reasonable and what the market can bear. With that being said, um, you know, you're going to have these tricky conver- conversations. And, and this is where the difference between an independent designer and a brick and mortar store, this, this is the big divide and where people that have worked only with independent designers get a little confused. And I totally understand that if you're an independent designer, which most of you listening are, um, you're going to go to a design center. You're going to go to a store that offers a discount. Now, most designers these days charge higher design fees. They charge higher hourly fees and they charge for every minute that they're working with you. Every drive time, every shopping time, they add it all up because that's how they make their living. If they go to a design center and they buy something at a discount, they usually pass that discount on to their clients. The way I teach as an independent designer, the way I ran my business was I charged less for my design time. And I always charged packages mainly because I hated, I hated counting every minute. I hated that paperwork. I hated that guilt. And I've talked about this a little, the, the, um, it it is, it's an integrity kind of a struggle with, I think about this project all the time. Am I supposed to be counting the 10 minutes that I'm brushing my teeth thinking, Oh, you know what we should do? Or I'm shopping for another client and I see something, you know, for, for client A, I'm shopping for client B. Oh, I spend 20 minutes actually down this rabbit hole for client A. Do I charge client A? Do I subtract it from client B? And I care about those things. Some designers don't care. They'll charge both people. Uh, that's just not me. I, I, I worry too much about karma um, and doing unto others, right? So I decided packages were easier. I figured, you know, I know estimating how many time, how many hours I'm going to spend in a project or a room. And it also gives me a goal. If I'm charging, say, $1,500, my, my hourly fee would be $150. I try to limit myself to 10 hours of work. Am I going to spend 15 when you add in driving? Maybe. Am I going to spend eight if it ends up being a really simple design and the client loves everything I picked right out of the gate? Great. In the end, they always equal out. I've just done this for so many years. And as long as I've been keeping true to my business model, true to my ethics and my integrity, it always evens out in the end. And and that's what I believe in. That's what I know. And that's how I've run my whole career. So as an independent designer, you're getting, you know, I get that package price, which might be less than some others that are charging hourly. But when I get a discount at the design center, sometimes I'll pass a little bit onto the client, but the other is part of my income. That's the money that I get paid for a knowing the vendor, having access to that design center, going in, spending my time, the relationship that I've worked hard to build with that showroom so that they know my name when I come in. They help me find the samples that I need. They make sure that things get delivered and shipped and that if it does come in wrong, they help me fix it. Those are relationships that I've built. Therefore, that percentage that they give off as a designer discount, I feel totally fine in keeping that as my income. 
but I've also charged a little less over here. See, so it, it balances out. Designers who charge a lot hourly and don't pass on, they, they, they pass on all of their discounts. That's a different business model. But in the end, you're still, the client is still paying the money. The client is still paying the same amount, whether it comes in design fees or it comes in markup. Now, when you go into a design center, and, and this is where we'll do a little math. <laughs> I should have my calculator. Um, if you go into a design center, every, every manufacturer has MSRP. That's manufactured suggested retail price. And as long as I've been in this business, as long as I've worked in retail, which is I'm old, long time. Um, every product has an MSRP. And that's what the manufacturer says based on how much it costs to make, how much we cost to ship it, what the market will bear. This is the price we think you should sell it for. Now, very few companies sell for MSRP. There are companies like Kohl's, um, you know, JCPenney's, they tried to change the model and they ended up going back to it where they list MSRP and then they have a sale. You don't buy anything at Kohl's or Pennies or, you know, a lot of places unless it's on sale because you know that that other price isn't what it's really going to be a week from now. Old Navy, all of these big box stores, right? So they take MSRP to show people and then they give them the discount and say, look, it's on sale. You saved 20%, you save 15%, you save 40%. And you feel like you're getting a good deal, but you're really, you're paying the price that you normally would pay. And then they're hoping by chance you pick up a couple items that aren't on sale and they make a little extra money that way. So MSRP, it's that number that you'll see that thrown around a lot. Um, and that's what it is. That's, that's, it's the manufactured suggested retail price. Now, these days, um, the other acronym that you see a lot of is IMAP, which stands for Internet Minimum Advertised Price. The reason they started doing that was we have us brick and mortar who work hard, right, to get our pieces in and we inspect and the delivery and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but people online were starting to undercut because they don't care if they make 10 bucks on something to them. 10 bucks is 10 bucks, right, where we need to make more because of our overhead. So companies will now list this is the lowest price that if we catch you advertising it any lower than this on the Internet, we'll we'll pull your account. You won't be able to sell it. It's also just uh, sometimes called MAP, which is just minimum advertised price uh, policy. <laughs> but but you you understand it's 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 trying to protect us. It's trying to protect their brand. What happens to a brand when people start you know selling it for rock bottom prices? It's going to damage the brand. There's going to be this opinion that this. Uh, you know, perception that it's a value brand, that it's a discount brand, that it's it's not worth much because people are just selling it for pennies on the dollar. Because of that, most of our vendors now have the two different prices, right? And again, we work really hard to be right in the middle. I don't want to be the most expensive and I sure as heck don't want to be the cheapest, but I want to be fair. I always make sure that we've covered the cost of the piece. We've covered our shipping. We've covered new freight, and tariff prices, oh, it's getting to where it's almost 40% of a wholesale price of a piece of furniture now. Um, one of the main vendors that that we carry, it's more our inexpensive line. They're, they're definitely import, but it's our filler pieces. It's the pieces you use for guest rooms or things where it doesn't have to be spectacular quality, but it's going to look nice. And uh, we've got those filler vendors. Right now, they're, they're charging me 19% shipping and 19% tariff fees. 
That's crazy. That that's that's brand new in this world. And so we're also seeing prices change at the drop of a hat. Um, you know, a client that says, "Well, I saw this on the internet. When did you see it before January 1st?" Because I have some vendors things have gone up 40% as of January 1st. They're having to absorb these new prices. They're now, instead of paying $2,500 for a container, they're paying $20,000 for a container to get a container shipped from China, uh, Vietnam, Indonesia. It's 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 crazy what's happening in our, our shipping world and in the whole supply chain globally. And so it's much, much harder to compare apples to apples. That same marble table... I Googled it. I said, well, let me see what's the least expensive I could find that table for. And it said $1,000 and right underneath it, it said with a $299 shipping fee. Okay, well, I sell it for $1,300. I don't charge a shipping fee. At the end, we were actually less expensive. But it's perception, right? It's that outward perception to your clients. And so circling back to this independent designer and the clients that, that were speaking to us, she was asking what our markup was, not because when she finally understood what I was saying with, you know, she's, why do you keep mentioning Nordstrom's? Well, they're a brick and mortar retail store. Like we're a brick and mortar retail store. They buy products at a lesser price. They mark it up and they sell it to the consumers and that's how they make money. And it's the same as us. The difference is that one designer that goes in, they're going to take MSRP at the design center and they're going to give that designer anywhere from 20 to 40% off. Now, the price that I pay is much lower than MSRP. It's much lower than that 40% of MSRP. I buy in such volume and I've negotiated such you know good pricing. I work really hard so that all of my vendors, I have platinum, premium, preferred tiered pricing and everything because I want to be fair to my clients, my customers, but I also know that I have to cover overhead and make a living. And so- when you look at what a designer's buying it for and what I'm buying it for, it's not apples to apples. So even if that designer says, well, I'm going to give you the 20% off that I got at the design center, that means nothing to me. <laughs> I'm still probably going to beat the price just because of my buying power. And when designers ask, should I open a retail store? No, not unless you know retail. I've been in retail since, gosh, 1988. <laughs> I learned this industry. I know this like the back of my hand. That's the only reason that I would consider opening a design store. If you don't understand the retail market, it's so different. And that's why I really just, uh, I caution people and say, don't just don't open a store unless you know that side of it. It's a whole nother business model. As an independent designer, again, you'll go to a design center, you'll get, you know, 20 to 30% off. Maybe you pass 10% off to your client, you keep 20, and then you're charging your package design fee. It all depends on the market that you're in, how many projects you're doing a year, the experience that you have, the products that you're buying. There's so many factors that go into pricing. It, it isn't just a simple question, well, you mark up this and you mark up that. A lot of designers will say, anything I choose for you, I'm going to add 20%. That means if they go to TJ Maxx or Home Goods for your accessories, they're still going to put it on an invoice and add 20% because that's their shopping fee or that's how they collect their income. So when this 
homeowner who has worked or had friends, she said she had friends that worked with independent designers and the designer came right up and said, well, I mark everything up 20%. That's why she just kept sticking to our guns. Well, how much do you mark it up? How much do you mark it up? And we kept sticking to our guns. I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> That's none of your business. Again, Nordstrom's wouldn't say how much they paid for this pair of jeans, right? So it was that disconnect. That's where that confusion came in. And so I have to assume that a lot of designers are confused about that as well. It's, it's completely different business models. It's completely different way of pricing products. But in the end, the consumer still ends up with the same product, hopefully with the same design service, with the same design skill and care. Um, if you guys are doing this kind of shopping where you're, you know, you're ordering from things online, maybe you're ordering from Pottery Barn online or Restoration Hardware or, or Wayfair, I, I would implore you to please add that service. Be, you know, don't leave your clients hanging. Tell them, I might order it online to save us some money, but I charge this design fee because I'm going to be here to make sure when that piece gets delivered, you call me, I'll be here. I'm going to help you unwrap it. And we're going to look at it. We're going to inspect it. We're going to, you know, see if it needs to be sent back. I'm going to take the time to make sure we track the, the shipping, the delivery to make sure that you're going to get it in timely manner, that it hasn't been, you know, fallen off a truck somewhere. But if designers keep holding strong to that level of integrity, if designers keep giving that kind of service, and I guarantee you most don't, we can kind of even these playing fields, right? And, and I think in the long run, it helps people as a whole respect the interior design field, respect designers, whether they're independent or at, at a retail space. Um, it starts to change the perception of our industry because right now there's so much unknown and uncertainty and they're getting different answers from different places. And so that leads to distrust. They think, well, someone must be lying. Someone must not be telling me the truth. If this person can tell me what their markup is and this person can't, there's too much confusion. She literally said to, to Ava, the designer, well, how do you make your money? How do you get paid? Even though she works for me, she's clearly an employee of this store. I clearly write her paychecks. It's none of her business how she gets paid. But it's something that, you know, consumers are questioning, especially now design is becoming more prevalent. So I ask you guys as designers, as new designers, um, be a little transparent and, and explain, you know, as an independent designer, I get these discounts from showrooms or I go to the design center and I have great access to really unique pieces. You can't find this at Target. You can't find this at Macy's. These are special manufacturers, high quality that just sell to designers and builders and architects and contractors. And because of that, they give me a discount because I'm in the trade and I'm going to pass a little of the discount on to you. You don't have to tell them how much you're making. I mean, again, some people do, they, they say this is my hourly and then I'm going to charge 20% over, which is a great business model if you're doing a lot of discount shopping. If you are running all over town and you're going to Pottery Barn and, and Home Goods, if you're doing that kind of shopping, then by all means, mark it up that and be very transparent about it. But if you're going to a design center, you do not have to tell your clients what discount you're getting. You should say, I, you know, I, I get a small discount because I'm in the trade and I will um, pass on a 10% discount to you um, for working with me. You're totally honest, transparent, 
but it doesn't mean you have to tell them your entire, every penny you make. You don't need your client to sit and, and add up, oh, well, she totaled this much profit on this job. As long as you're designing with integrity again, and you have business ethics and you know that you're charging a fair amount, that your clients aren't, you know, they're, they're not getting cheated out of anything. You're not taking advantage uh, of this um, lack of knowledge or confusion, you know, don't ever take advantage of that, but you can be transparent, but you don't have to give away everything. It's just like me with my store. I, I don't know how much Nordstrom's makes on each pair of jeans. I don't care. I don't ask. I don't, I don't walk up to the counter and say, could you give me this for $25 instead of the hundred dollars? I don't ask what's the best price you could give me on these jeans because they've been in business long enough. We just assume we know they're making something on somewhere. So we just buy the price, right? Or we wait for it to be on sale. As a designer, as a business owner, you're going to have to wrestle with these, these decisions, these, and these tricky conversations. And, you know, depending on which your business model is, hopefully I've given you a little bit of insight into ways that you can kind of ease into it, you know, giving analogies for retail, giving analogies for, um, you know, along with my service and the, the fees that I'm charging, I take care to make sure that things come in okay. And I make sure, you know, make make sure to take care that you're going to be happy with the design and that something comes into the right color and that we we've ordered it correctly. That's part of the service. That's why you've decided to work with a designer. Congratulations, you're so smart to work with a designer. And I think as a whole, we're going to start changing the industry. We can start educating consumers as to what it means to work with a designer. We're not trying to trick them into anything. We have a skill. We have a talent. We deserve to be compensated for that. We have every right to make a living using our talent and our taste and our design ability to help them create a beautiful home and to make sure it's all cohesive and that it's beautiful and it's going to last as long as they want and that it's functional. That's why you have a designer, not just to get you a discount. Please don't be that kind of designer that, well, if you hire me, I can get you furniture for cheap. Well, that just absolutely destroys the integrity of our industry. So there's my soapbox, my advice, <laughs> my opinion. And thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. Uh, keep sending me questions. I love answering questions. And good luck. As I'm knowing I'm going to have a million questions now with the pricing, but that's okay. Keep them coming. It just means we have more topics to talk about. Happy designing. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Design for a Living with Chelsea Coriel. Our episodes will be dropping on Sunday, so stay tuned. We are on Google Podcasts and Spotify, so stay tuned for that and follow along. Thanks so much for being with us. Find us online at designforaliving.com. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and House at Design for a Living. If you'd like to submit a question or request a topic, email us at chelsea at designforaliving.com. That's C-H-E-L-S-E-A at designforaliving.com.